you know, when you're in the USFL, you're doing something innovative. That's why I brought up Brennan Marion, the go-go offense at the pro level. That will be something we've seen it at the pro level, at the NFL level. They're, they're, you know, stealing from his concepts. That's where he, that's where a league like the USFL XFL would have been perfect for the young up and coming coach. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Gene Therapy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens. Um, it's it's been an interesting it's been an interesting time, and I always say interesting. I know some of y'all are probably like he always says interesting. Yes, because there are a lot of things that are interesting out there, and we call this Gene Therapy because this is therapeutic for me. I get an opportunity to get things off my chest, things that I was thinking about, things that I, I wonder, and, and you get to listen as I talk to some um, really smart people. Who, who are really invested in what's going on out there in the sports and entertainment world. Um, I and, and as that goes, I am joined once again by Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook, Mr. Day 3. He's about to jump into his element in the um, NFL draft. And, and obviously, if you have not picked up his NFL draft guide, make sure that you pick that up over a 1,000 um, prospects were um, scouted um, this year, and and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And and God knows how many he's trying to go for next year. Even if he doesn't, even if he if he, even if he takes out a couple hundred, it'll still be way more than anyone else in the game does. So Emory, thank you for joining me as always. I appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure, man. And and you're right. I don't even know how many is going to be next next year, but it, it's it's going to be hard to top a thousand. But hell. We got enough time to do so. I mean, it, when you have when you have a full year, it, it doesn't make any sense to me why you can't get things done. I always look at some of these other some of these other guys with full teams of people who do the recruiting and wonder why they only are able to come out with three or four hundred or two hundred and fifty, and 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 then they can only talk about the same ten to twelve people. But that's another that's another podcast for another day. Um, we've been we've been immersed in the USFL um, since the announcement came that it, that they were coming back and that the XFL was coming back and and I look at these I look at these secondary leagues I don't I don't want to call them you know alternative leagues I'm gonna call them secondary leagues because I think that they get a lot of they get a lot of flack from people who don't truly love football um, and that's the only way I can. You know, I can, I can, I can think about it. These people clearly don't love football, and that's why when they see more football, they're like, "Ugh, more football." It's like because I, I see more football, and I go, "Hey, that's what I'm talking about. More football. Let's, let's, you know, let's have at it. Let's make it happen." But when we saw the USFL come back, and we saw the XFL come back. There was one word that kept coming to my mind, and it was innovation. Innovation. Where where did these leagues fail the first time? Where did these leagues, or, or where, why were these leagues not able to survive these spring leagues? And I won't even really use the USFL because technically the USFL they they did it to themselves. They tried to merge with the NFL. Those those guys wanted to try to backdoor their way into ownership. It didn't work, you know. That's why they failed. But the um, the XFL as a as an alternative league, 
you know, the first time or when they came back, the, the, the part of innovation is where I think that they really lacked that. And not innovation in the sense of we're going to do things to make the game better for the viewing experience. I think that they've done a great job of trying to make the viewing experience better, even though I think that the viewing experience to a certain level is maxed out. Like we don't need helmet cameras and referee cameras and 360 degree, whatever. We need that. We, we need less of that. The innovation that we need is on the field. And that's what we have not seen from the spring league or from the XFL when it came around in its, in its first reiteration. And now looking a, a couple weeks into the USFL, we haven't seen that innovation. So my first question to you, and we can and we can wrap off of it from here. Why do you think that these leagues have not figured out that the best way for longevity is to try to do things different than the way the NFL does it? You know, it's a great lead-in and question. And I feel like when you ask that question, and you talk about it in the scope of, okay, the first iteration of the USFL collapsed, even though you talked about the reasons why. And even though then they were doing something different, which is what made it popular back then. You, you know, you talk about going, uh, being the first to wear guys into the draft early, you know, so you're competing for the top talent. That was unique then. The league NFL wasn't allowing guys to enter early. They also were able to get some of the top quarterbacks that, be, that were a little bit more unconventional in their style. Your Steve Youngs, your Jim Kellys, you know, those guys, your Doug Fluties, right? The XFL, the second time around, was doing well um, before COVID hit. That one looked like it was gaining traction because they were starting to do a little bit differently. But even some teams still missed the mark. We talked about the Quentin Flowers thing at nauseam. even had guys on the New York Guardians or LA Wildcats wonder out loud why wasn't Quentin Flowers playing? It seemed like when he was in the game, that offense moved. And now you see the USFL teams that are having success are the guys that can, you know, that can play, that can move, right? So when you say that in this scope, I feel like it's who's making the decisions. Because if you have the same people in the front office or in the position of, acquiring talent that are of that same mindset that we see at the NFL level, you're going to always have the same result, no matter what league you play in. You see it in the Canadian football league, you see it in the USFL and you saw some of that in the XFL. And I feel like you have to have those that think differently in those positions in order to have what you see on the field look different, which is why we saw, the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL just look completely different than everybody else, you know, which is why we're seeing the Birmingham Stallions or the New Orleans Breakers look completely different, or even the New Jersey Generals to a certain extent, but what they're doing with DeAndre Johnson. So you have to get those people that think differently in those positions because that affects what you see out there on the field. But, and, and, and I agree my, my, my problem is always with the, the thought process of, well, this is a gimmick. 
you know, um, the 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 idea behind a gimmick is that it can't it can't work consistently. You have to surprise people with it in order for it to work. If people are prepared for it, then it doesn't work. I remember years ago when they were talking about the the quote unquote wildcat that everybody came up and, and made it a wild whatever, you know, which started as the what, which really was more back to 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 um, Arkansas when they were doing it with the wild hog with with McFadden and, and, and those boys. I remember people saying, "Oh well, this is this is a fad. This is something that's going to fizzle out." And my whole thing was. Just wait until they start doing that stuff with the quarterback consistently. And then Cam Newton came along. And double-digit double digit rushing touchdowns for your quarterback and seven and 800 yards rushing regularly out of the quarterback, using your quarterback as a short yardage um, back, um, as well as being able to throw and run at the same time. That was the innovation that I thought we would see then permeate the league. And then what, what would happen is that the next, the next great Peyton Manning style quarterback would come along and then people would fall back in love with that again. And then you would hear people limit themselves or, or, or discredit you got to be able to win from the pocket. And and I'm and I always and I always cringe because I know that these these are coded languages that they're using. You got to be able to win from the pocket. Your your quarterback has to be able to be cerebral. They have to be able to make all the throws. They have to be able to um to 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 navigate defenses and and all of these things and I started thinking to myself like, "Man, okay, so when we're, when we're looking at that and we see this innovation that's right here in front of us and you can still do all of that and have all of these innovation, all of this innovation, why don't we see it more? Well, because you don't want to have your quarterback put in jeopardy. Like that's the, that's the normal answer. And so if you remember years ago, I wrote an article talking about how teams needed to align their quarterback their quarterback played better that if you looked around the league, the backup quarterback rarely ever embodied the same type of skills as the starting quarterback. And so by doing that, wouldn't you then mean that you wouldn't have to value your quarterback so much that you, you would be afraid to put them in harm's way because now it's like you're a running back or your wide receiver where the number two may not be as good as the number one, but still can do the same things as the number one. So fast forward this all the way back to the US, all up to the USFL, and I look at what New Jersey's doing. And they bring in Perez, who is a one, clearly one type of quarterback. And Johnson, who is clearly a different type of quarterback. That means that your offense has to come up with two styles of offenses that you need your quarterbacks, your, your coaches to be able to teach, your players to be able to execute in a finite amount of time. So what do you get? One style of offense tends to, seems to be working better than the other style. So instead of, instead of building on 
that style that's working, we're going to continue to try to cram the square peg in a round hole. And that's what you see almost across the league is these teams that have an ability to be different, still choosing to try to do it the NFL's way or major college football's way. Um, I think about, I think about, um, I think about Georgia Tech in, in, in college football and how a, 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 a pioneer like Paul Johnson, who was able to bring that, that offense, that triple option offense from the military academy to big time power five football and win an ACC title with it. I look at that, I look at that gentleman and how he was mocked and ridiculed and, 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 and talked about at Georgia Tech when on his way out the door. And that people said, oh, well, they're coming to a modern, you know, offense and they're, and they're going to do it the right way, blah, 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 blah. And now they're horrible. And now because Paul Johnson was zigging when everybody else was zagging, which worked because their, their, their academic requirements at Georgia Tech are such that it's easier to find these guys who mimic and look kind of like service academy guys than it is to find these guys that look like dudes that are going to Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina. And so that was the innovation there. Well, now we get to the we get to a professional, we get the professional football in the USFL and, and soon the XFL. And what are we going to see an abundance of? We're going to see an abundance of these quarterbacks who have athleticism and can throw the ball but may not have the prototype look of what you see or what people think you should see in the NFL. You're not going to you're not going to you don't have the abundance of 64, 65, 200 and something pound athletes with cannon arms. But what you have a lot of is a ton of 5'11", 6 foot, 6'1", ultra athletic, good arm, really crafty, knows how to play, super tough, that come from offenses that have allowed them to be themselves and not try to pigeonhole them into one particular style of play. They've just allowed them to play. Where's the innovation going to come from, if not from the quarterback position? I feel like one element of innovation, because if you think about, you know, these leagues and what made them popular, uh, let's say we go back to the first iteration of the USFL, you had to run and shoot with Miles Davis and the Houston Gamblers and, you know, Jack Pardee. And that was kind of like, whoa. And so they all went to the NFL, to the Houston Oilers, no less. And you saw that kind of take off. Then you saw that break off into, you know, the K-Gun offense up in Buffalo, uh, which no surprise led by a former Houston gambler and Jim Kelly. So the innovation part, you're absolutely right. What can we see differently? Uh, will we see some type of innovation? What is the next innovation of football in terms of how you run offense, how you run defense? Uh, I feel like, you know, now we're seeing maybe we've reached that zenith in terms of how much more can you do or can you create uh, at, in, in football from an X's and O's standpoint? Do you really have an advantage now? 
you know, how much are you limited by what the hash marks are? I feel like we are maybe reached a point to where, okay, maybe innovation is from a nexus and no point may have reached its zenith, but what can we do from a personnel standpoint? Firstly, I just feel like we, we need to see, um, I think the innovation for the USFL and these other leagues will have to come outside of the X's and O's, you know, and you sort of alluded to it a while back when you talked about the acquisition of talent. And I think, yeah, attacking the transfer portal is a good way to go, but also it's something completely off the wall. How about this? We had the USFL draft in March. These teams had three weeks to get together and they took the field. Now we know that this runs, this season runs alongside the NFL draft. We know a bunch of these guys won't get drafted. Why not have a quote unquote midseason supplemental draft for the USFL? That way you could bring in some more talent and that could be your pseudo practice squad. I know financially they're trying to say, you know, can con, con, uh, contain costs, but my goodness, 38 players active on game day is not a lot, man. And so you're going to need some depth on this roster you get these guys mid-season get them acclimated you may have guys ready for you know weeks eight and nine but also you have a good foundation for your you know uh which will be now your winter workouts going into your spring season again because that's the thing guys i don't want i don't want to see the innovation of guys you know uh, i don't want to see this league become we have to start all over brand new with new players every year uh, on each team, I like to see guys stay on the team and grow. And I feel like the innovation for this league in the XFL in 2023 will have to come in how you acquire talent and get that talent on the roster. Well, but 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 again, like so for I agree, I agree that talent talent is the way. And 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 the reason I continue to bring up the quarterback position is because that's the final frontier that there still seems to be some pushback on to just fully acquiesce to what we all know to be true. You know, and, and so we look at college, we look at college and we say, um, we, we see a kid like Eric Berrier, whom I haven't heard anyone talking about in, in, in NFL draft circles, whom I believe is not only a draftable NFL quarterback, but I would draft higher than many of the people that they are talking about drafting. And so, sorry, Bailey Zap. Um, so now when I'm looking at these players that may not get the opportunity that they should, I'm going, man, USFL is right there. USFL is right there. And and here's and here's where here's where you can be smart about it. Hey, listen, read the tea leaves, homie. Eric Berrier, you're not getting drafted. Read the tea leaves, and even if you get drafted, it's going to be a seventh round pick, and you're not even going to like. You're going to be the 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 fifth quarterback on a roster. You're going to have to fight your way through. Don't even bother. Come over here. Get this hundred k from us. Like. We don't need to have a draft. Like, why Why do we, we, we had the draft. The draft happened last year. Now we have established teams. Hey man, we're gonna, 
This is our free agency period. You guys can come in and, and be free agents right now. You can choose what team you want to go to. You can have a say in it. So if I want to come, if, if I'm an Eric Berrier and I decide that I want to go to Houston and Houston doesn't want me, guess what? Eh, I'm going to go to Tampa Bay. But now you you give a bit of, 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 the, of the excitement of being able to bring those guys in before they ever even get to the draft. And guess what happens if they ball out, if they ball out in your league? Now the NFL wants that kid. Okay, we're not going to hold you from that dream. Now, Eric Berrier, if you want to go in and jump on a, a camp roster as an unrestricted free agent that you were already going to be anyway, because they don't see what we see in you, do that $100,000 richer. Do that $100,000 richer. And when they cut you and try to put you on a practice squad, have your practice squad time, and then when they release you at the end of the year, boom, come on back to us. And let's rock this thing for a second year and continue to build your brand the same way that guys have built their brand in Canada. Like, why are we still trying to hold on to the same models of, of how this thing is done? Why do we need why do we need these ridiculous drafts where the quarterback is drafted first and then we're gonna draft defensive line, then we're gonna draft offensive line? Like, are you afraid that people don't know how to draft? Like, why did it have to be that weird, ridiculous thing? I hope that the XFL is learning by looking at what the USFL is doing and going, that shit don't make no sense. Like, let's do some other stuff because that, do that doesn't make any sense. We're going to have a draft where we're going to draft certain things at certain times and you can only draft that. What if I want to build my team differently than you want to build your team? Now I'm forced to build my team the way you build your team. That comes into one of my favorite quotes off of, off of um, Moneyball. Billy Bean says, if we try to do things the way the Yankees do things in here, we'll lose to the Yankees out there. How are you going to try to do things in a manner that everybody else does it and then wonder why it is you can't get anything rolling over? Like, obviously, there's going to be better people at, at, at selecting. So, yeah, that's the thing, right? But if I wanted to build a bully, if I wanted to build a bully team, why don't we have a triple option team in the USFL? Why don't we have an a, a air raid offense in the USFL? Where's the zone read, QB, you know what I'm saying, gun run type of offense in the USFL? Where's the USFL team trying to em employ some of those um, some of those flag football type of double, you know, double pass offense where you pass it over to the receiver, but he's behind the line of scrimmage and he can throw it or run it. Like this is the league to do that because you have that latitude. If, if it doesn't work, guess what? Do something else. Like, but if you have a if you have a if you have two quarterbacks on your roster, right? Um, if you have a if you have a John Franklin on your roster, who at one time was a quarterback and now does everything, and you've got all of these guys around college that 
can do everything, give them a chance to do everything. The innovation is there to still be able to do things differently from a schematic standpoint or to bring things to a professional level that has been left at the high, at the high school or the collegiate level. But I, I do agree with you that the innovation has to be in the players, but I think the innovation has to be in, hey, we need to get these players that are in abundance at the collegiate level that we're not seeing get that opportunity in the NFL. And, and that to me is where, where where's um where's where's the where's the quarterback from Missouri at right now? You talking that went, about that went to um went to Georgia. Transferred to Georgia, never played at Georgia. JD Daniels came in. He was not Missouri, excuse me. He was at Vanderbilt. And then went to um Georgia as a as a um graduate transfer, but then never played at Georgia and then ended up not getting drafted. Hmm. I forget his name right now, and it's gonna bother me until I until I until I get it back. I need to get some Googles. Like where's your where's your um where's your where's your Trayvon Boykins at? Right? Where are those guys who are just so dynamic in um in in college that it captured people's imagination and then all of a sudden now nothing they're gone they can't play at any level so they're not they can't play in the nfl supposedly because you never give them a chance and then they can't play at any level we have to see these 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 quarterbacks that are like the the um the family dollar or the dollar general version of peyton manning or the the, the Dollar Tree version of Aaron Rodgers? Like, do we really need to see those guys? We know what those guys are. They're awful. <laughs> like, those guys are not going to be where it is when it comes to when it comes to play and, and getting people excited about the league. But you've got all of these guys all over the place that, that play the game, that can do things that that's different. And, and we don't see them get the opportunities because somebody along the way says, nope, that's not how um, that's not how it's done at this at this level. But if you never see it done at that level, how do you know it can't be done at that level? You're just it's a self-fulfilling prophet prophecy. So I think that that's where we can still see the innovation at is to just wholesale give in to, Hey, listen, we're not trying, we're not trying to hit that. If you can't run, if you can't run, there's no place for you in this league. Like, we we we've got that league already. Go over there, try it over there. But in these leagues, because where our offensive line isn't going to be to the level of the NFL's offensive line, our quarterback has to be, has to be able to be a weapon for us. We're playing 11 on 11 football. At this at this eleven, or, or what do y'all call it? You know, all, y'all always come up with some fancy name for it. Plus one, you know, plus one football. We're gonna play plus one football. You know, at, at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, I think that um, we see we see so much innovation come out of out of sports where you see the high school game 
get taken over and, and, and married with the college game. But we rarely see the full-on innovation of that college game at the NFL level. And I just – I don't understand. Like, like, why would you not have a triple option team when you have all the talent out there in the world to run a triple option? And who would want to see if, if, if Michigan was a triple option team? Who in the hell would want to see Michigan in the USFL? Nobody would want to see the Panthers in the USFL if they had a triple option team. And it would be fun to watch to see how that would work at a quote-unquote professional level. Because if you're using professional, you know, to your point, if you're, you know, high school, you're dealing with a certain level of talent. And so you run the triple option in college, you have access to the best of the high school players to run that particular offense to make it look a lot better. So I can only imagine, you know, going to the pro level where you have the access to go acquire the best college option players, you know, O-line and skill players to run it at the professional level so it can look even better. So to your point, you're absolutely right. And and, and it's, it's interesting too because now you would – you would have um it w- it wouldn't just be hey um i've got to i've got to run this offense because I, I i can't run anything else it's no i can go and find the quarterback that best epitomizes this offense i can go and find the fullback the running cuz i know nobody else is going to take him you know i know nobody else is going to take him hey you don't want this 6 foot 2 285-pound offensive guard, but I do because I know he's going to be able to get on those legs, get up to the second level. He's been doing it for the last four or five years, you know? And, and I think that brings in a level of dynamics that people have to um, have to prepare for. By the way, it wasn't it wasn't Vanderbilt I was thinking of. It was Wake Forest I was thinking of. Jamie um, Newman. Yeah, Jamie, where is Jamie Newman? Where is he? You're telling me Jamie Newman's not better than than some of these guys that we're watching on a on a on a regular basis in the USFL right now. You're telling me Jamie Newman's not better than almost all of the quarterbacks that we saw in the spring league. You're telling me Jamie Newman's not better than the quarterbacks that we saw lining up in the last iteration of the X, of the XFL. If anything, he has upside. He's still young. He's still talented. Like like at what point do we just say, um, the 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 quarterback from is it where, where, not not McNeese? Um, where did he just transfer to? The quarterback, the quarterback from. I don't think it was McNeese. I think it was um. It's not. Are South you talking East. about Lindsey Scott? Yes, Lindsey Scott. So yeah. Lindsey Scott's transferring. And he's, he ended up, it's funny, he ended up at Incarnate Word, where Cam Ward just left. Where Cam Ward just left, right? But Lindsey Scott, it doesn't matter where he's going. Nobody in the NFL is going to give Lindsey Scott the chance to play quarterback. He's going to be a running back. He's going to be something. But the USFL could. The XFL could. And now Lindsey Scott can go and do at the professional level what he's been doing all his life, which is making plays. Like at the end of the day, what what does Lindsey Scott do best? Make plays. Now, now Cam Ward, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to deal with Cameron Ward. 
NFL is going to have to deal with them because there's just certain guys you just can't deny. That guy should have never been at Incarnate Word. If 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 the if the climate hadn't been the climate, somebody comes in on him and sees what he can do right now. But let's just say for you know for the sake of argument that he goes and he balls out at, at Washington and the NFL still doesn't come calling. Cam Ward, like playing ball in, in New Orleans or playing ball in Houston, like you're talking about elite level athleticism and arm talent in a package that doesn't get the opportunity that he should. So now he's got a, a chip on his shoulder. Like I'd be trying to, I would be trying to pull NFL guys down that I know are never going to get that real shot. Like yo, Easton Stick, come here, man. Easton Stick, I know, I know you could, you could be on a roster. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you come over here and become a, a USFL legend? Why don't you come be an XFL legend? Like do, do, um, do the Doug Flutie thing, do the the Warren Moon thing. Come and win ten straight or seven straight, you know, USFL championships, and then dare the NFL not to give you a chance. Like, dare them not to give you a chance. Or or you just want to be happy to sit on the bench and get some spring, I mean, some um, preseason football time, which they're trying to give, trying to do away with preseason anyway. So you're getting less and less reps as it goes. I just think it's, it's interesting that, the innovation is there at the quarterback position. You're right. I don't know how much more they can do. I, I think that there's some things that can be done um, from schematically that you could just be different than what you see out of every other team. But when it comes to the personnel, man, I, I just see these guys out here and I'm just like, man, they're not being used to the level that they could be used to. Easton Stick, I, I really like Easton Stick. I think he's a ball player. Um, I know, I know he, he, he plays behind a guy that they think is going to be all world and that's cool, but he can't play anywhere. Like he can't be a starter somewhere. Like he, he just has to, I'd be, I would be begging Tyler Huntley to come down. Hey, Tyler Huntley, I get it, man. You can be the backup and you're going to, I get it. I know the money's a little better. We're going to find a way to make it up to you. We're going to find a way to get you to where. That backup money is in the NFL, but you're going to ch- have a chance to be a legend, and 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 that's how you, that's how you, that's how you. I think that's how you endear yourself as a league. You have to have names that are ballers, like guys that you can look at and go, "That why is that dude not in the NFL?" And right now, quiet as it's kept, I don't see any of those dudes on the USFL on the USFL roster right now that are going. That guy should absolutely positively not only just be on an NFL team, but he should be playing for an NFL team. And if we can get these quarterbacks to stop wanting to just be a backup on an NFL team and want to really be a starter, come for these 10 weeks. We'll work it out with you, man. We'll, we'll figure your contract out. Come over here, ball out, then go in and see what the NFL wants to have for you. If they throw you a bone, if not, Come on back home. And if you do, that's great, because guess what we can then sell? We can sell that you come and ball out for us, you're going to end up in the NFL. Like, we're the bridge. And then 
there is the thing that you talked about that the USFL used to do that they need to do again. To open this thing up, man. If you're a freshman, hey, you don't want to go play college no more? Come play these 10 games for us. For 100000 instead of those, those, those 15 games at Alabama for free. Or, or for the or for the NIL deal that they've worked out for the entire team to keep you poor because they don't want you to be able to fully maximize on your name, image, and likeness. Come, come over here. We actually have deals in place and, and maximize on your name, image, and likeness with us. You don't have to share it. If you're if you're you, then be you. Like, like that's why I feel like there's a lot of innovation that hasn't been tapped yet. Or, or people just not wanting to admit the truth. What do you think about the what do you think about the the coaches and and the coaches that they um that they put in place in the, in the USFL and the coaches that we've heard about being put in place in the XFL? You know, I, some the new names I I enjoy because I think that's the bridge for the next step for coaches, you know, let's start with the XFL. If you look at some of the former players, Anthony Beck, Heinz Ward, Reggie Barlow, um, Rob Woodson, that's dope. You know, I think that's the way to go and getting those guys that may not have the pro experience in terms of being a head coach or a collegiate experience as head coach. This is an opportunity. The, the USFL Kirby Wilson, like him or hate him is his first opportunity to be a head coach. He gets to now get that opportunity and to work through the struggles and progress that you see Bart Andrews, his history kind of puts him in this scope. This is what he does. You know, USFL, UFL, uh, world, world league, Canadian football league, spring league. He is all about development. So I get that Jeff Fisher name. I kind of like Jeff Fisher being out there as a coach, but I feel like this is where you can get the young coach. You know, this is where you can get the, the no-name coach and let him be the head coach and, and allow him to really grow, blossom, and develop with the league because you want the league to grow. And I understand name recognition, brand recognition, but, man, sometimes you that's where you innovate, I think, also on the coaching level. Get young coordinators. Get a Brendan Marion. You know, run the go-go offense out there in the USFL. That's where you really, you know, grow and, and, and really get the eyes on the league. You know, think about a Mouse Davis was out there with the Houston Gamble. That's, that's what things happen. Yo, it's 3.42. Go home already. <laughs> Yo, um, you, you were mentioning about um, Keyron Garrett. Keyron Garrett. That? Did you say Keyron Garrett? Mouse, sorry, Mouse Davis. Mouse Davis. Mouse Davis, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, starting in the USFL, that's where you go, you know, and yeah, that's where you make it. I mean, obviously he was at Portland State in the USFL, but, made, you know, when you're in the USFL, you're doing something innovative. That's why I brought up Brennan Marion, the go-go offense at the pro level. That will be something we've seen at the pro level, at the NFL level. They're, they're you know, stealing from his concepts. That's where he, that's where a league like the USFL or XFL would have been perfect for the young up-and-coming coach. That's how you innovate. And, and and I agree. I just, I think the young up-and-coming guy who's shown that they're willing to innovate. My my issue is 
some of these names that we've heard, I don't know if they're if they're if they're there to innovate or if they're just there as a name. That's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna find out. Like, are they because I've been I've been I've been disappointed to a to a certain extent in 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 Kevin Sumlin and how and how ordinary his offense has looked in, in in the way in which it's 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 laid out it's structured um i think that there's the opportunity to bring in new names but to bring in new names that want to have new feel and new innovation new names that are just running the same old stuff is not really going to help anybody like i love wade phillips and here's what I love about Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips' defense, always innovating, always on the cutting edge of, of what you can do and how you and how you go about blitzing. If you look at the people who've made their bones off the back of Wade Phillips' defense, you know, coordinators who have come in and used the exact same thing Wade Phillips was doing to get themselves head coaching jobs in the NFL. Clearly, Wade Phillips knows what he's doing. Wade Phillips needs to now pair himself with another young innovator for the offensive side of the ball and maybe even bring in a defensive coordinator that might be willing to take his thing to another level because that's where you that's where you're going to get the innovator but if he just comes in and and he's running the defense and then he just hires another guy that's going to do the same old type of same old as as the offensive guy, then what are we really getting? We're getting, again, if you try to do what the Yankees doing here, you're going to lose to the Yankees out there. So if you're trying to run offenses and defenses the same way they do in the NFL, then people are going to look at it and say, that's the NFL, but it's a really awful product. But if you give them something that's not the NFL's product, then then at least they can go, well, this isn't the NFL. And that's what I feel like they need to be trying to do. You have to adapt or die. You have to adapt or die at some point. If they just try to roll out this same old, same old leap, like the three-point play, they, the, the three-point play instead of the two-point play. I love that innovation. I love a three-point play instead of a two-point play. But my question goes, why are we still kicking field goals? Why are we still kicking field goals if we have analytics in place that says that not only is the two-point conversion the way to go because you don't need to hit it every time in order for it to pay dividend, if we know that to be the case, and you're hiring all of these terrible kickers, you can now bring in another person who can actually help your team and we can do away with some of the stuff that we don't really particularly like about the game anyway. We'd say we do. We try to make it seem as if we do. We don't, we don't, we don't really want it. We don't really want it. So you you score a, a, a you score a, a touchdown, you're forced to you're forced to go for two, but you have an option to go for three. And so now. You're you're you make it at six zero. 
They score a touchdown. They get their two-point conversion. It's six to it's six to eight. The pressure is on you now. Ain't no ties around here. The pressure is on you now every time. So so it's not sit back and and, and play and play the percentages game. It's not oh we're in field goal percentage. I mean we're in field goal range now. So now we're going to be um, passive. We, we don't want to take points off the board. You hear that all the time. We don't want to take points off the board. No, you don't have any points. You need touchdown. You want you want points. You get touchdowns, not field goals. You don't roll out four or five field goals in a game. Nope, you got to get some touchdowns. You got to keep your foot on the gas. You got to stay innovating. And then when you get there and you get to the end zone, now you've got to now you've got to try to do it again. Like I, I think that there's so many ways we could tweak. Like I I thought the the thing that the XFL did in their first iteration where they both ran for the the ball in order to figure out who was going to have possession, it was stupid, but it was innovative. It was interesting. Oh snap! They about to just duke it out for the for the for the football. Okay, cool. It was dumb, but it was innovative, and I appreciate anybody trying to innovate because the alternative is to sit and and, and see the same stuff done. You know, the same stuff done over and over again. <sighs> the XFL is coming back. The USFL is here. Um. What do you think, if you had to break it down into one thing that you believed is going to make or break these leagues, it's going to be the difference between these leagues being around for one or two years or these these leagues getting into the double digits of years. What would be the one thing that you believe um, gets it done? And if they're not doing it yet, how do they get there? One to two years, one to two years removed from your draft class. You got to go young talent. You, you you acquire talent that's in the transfer portal, one year removed, two years removed. Because outside of that, you're kind of ruining the product. You need youthful developmental talent while they're still young and still being able to be developed. Because we know the further you're away from the game of football, it's hard to get back into that football mode. So I would say one to two years max. So one, so you're saying one to two years out of out of out of college, do you give them a shelf? Do you give them a shelf life in the XFL? No, you keep them playing because you, or in or in the USFL, do you say are you trying are you trying to develop talent that you can then mold into a ten year XFL ten year USFL player, or are you just trying to keep the league young? No, I'm saying don't go out and grab guys that have been five, that's 27, 28 years old. Go and get those guys that are that may not have been drafted, but just, you know, they're still close to that draft class. You know, maybe somebody from the 2020 class, 2021 class. And then you de- then develop that as XFL, USFL players. But don't go out and grab guys that hadn't been on the roster for two years you know, to then coming back and play in the league. Guys that's 27, 28 years old, the, the football is different, and they haven't played football in, in quite some time. But you get these younger guys that, that can be your foundational base that you can grow with. And also, um, you want those young guys to have those long careers. You know, but I'm saying the initial acquisition of talent has to be – like, you don't go get a Paxton Lynch. You go get someone that, that – that you'll get a Jamie Newman. You know what Max. I mean? 
Shea Patterson makes sense because he was two years. He was, I think he was class of 2020. That makes uh -huh. sense, you know, but someone that was class of 2016 does not make sense. No, that makes sense. I, I think one of the things, I think the one thing that I would, I would point to as a way to innovate that I believe can have long ranging um, benefits is not only opening up the ability for kids to come to you earlier, maybe a year removed from high school instead of three years removed, but then allowing them to be drafted by the NFL after a couple of years. So if I get, if I get, say, Cam Ward says he, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a um, freshman, right? I don't want to stay in the NFL, I mean, in college. I want to go make some money. So I'm going to go play for Houston. Well, he's got to play for Houston another year before he's, I mean, he's got to play in college another year before he's eligible for the, for the NFL because he's only two years removed from high school, right? So he comes to play for the Houston, for the Houston Gamblers for a year. Now he's eligible. He can put his name into the NFL draft from the Houston Gamblers. And now he's ours. So if, if it doesn't work out for him, he can still kick it with us, but he still has the opportunity to chase that, that top dream. Cause we don't want to act as I would, I wouldn't want to act as if we're the, we're the dream. I'm going to be realistic about it. Nobody's dreaming of playing in the, in the USFL. They're not dreaming of playing in the XFL. They're dreaming of playing in the NFL. However, when they really stop to think about it, their real dream is to be paid to play football. And so I want to give them the, 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 the placebo of that you have the opportunity. If you're good enough, why wait? Why wait to start maximizing off your star, off your talent? Why wait? Come to come to Tampa Bay, come to Houston, start to ball out early, make this money early, stack you a couple a couple hundred thousand in the bank over these next couple of years, put put your name into the draft and let the chips fall where they may. Like um take a take a, a, a CJ Stroud. Like, hey CJ Stroud, you can stay at Ohio State and play for free or whatever they're paying you underneath the table. You can have your NIL deal. That's cool. Or you can come play in the USFL. We've got 10 games. You know where it's going to happen at. After this season, put your name into the, um, put your name into the ring for the, for the, for the con, I mean, for the, for the NFL draft, you can still go through the combine. You can still do everything. And if things don't work out in the draft, if I'm if I'm doing my math right, you're back with us week four. Right? You can go through this, but if it doesn't work out in the draft, you're back with us week four. And now you rock with us. And you make your money. Like you could give another opportunity to people because college isn't for everybody. And football is the only place that's making these kids go to school or making these young men go to school for three years in order to get a bite at the apple. Three years in order to get a bite at the apple, yet you could be 16 years old and be a professional tennis player. So it's like, 
yeah, there's a physical component to it, but you know the you know what you're getting into. And I should know what I'm getting into because with my rosters being 30 something, 40 something deep, I can't afford to just be taking guys that aren't going to play. I've got to take guys who I'm actually going to be able to develop while they're playing. And if you're able to play for Ohio State or for Florida State or for um, Penn State or for whatever other um, state school or private school, you should be able to play for us. And, and what we're doing, especially because we're developing a league that's going to last. And, and if you, you'll, get, you'll still get your bite at that apple. That's the thing is you want them to still be able to get a bite at that apple. But I like the I like the not not taking anybody further than one two years removed. I would even go I would even go further and go, hey, if you, you know, what I'm saying you coming out this year, we're gonna we're gonna give you that opportunity. You don't get drafted, come holler at us as a free agent, whatever. You don't do it, boom, we're on to the next class. Because it's that we we talk about it all the time. There's that much talent out there that you don't have to sit back and wait for the scraps to come to you. You can you can get and develop your own talent. It, it's a it's interesting cuz I don't I don't want to see these I don't want to see these leagues fail. I don't want to see these leagues come up short. Um I think that it's you know people I, I hear the Pat McAfee's of the word and all these people talk about how bad it is and I go, you know, football can only get better through longevity. The old NFL was terrible football. The 80s NFL football was terrible football in, in, in a lot of respects. You know what I'm saying? There were a few good teams. It wasn't what it is now. So you can't just judge a, 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 a league's ability or a league's talent or product off of the initial year. you got to see where it can go in multiple years. But it's not going to get to multiple years if the product doesn't improve. And I think that that's going to improve a from the innovation through how, how we go about doing this thing X and O's wise, but also in who we bring in to, to, to be involved. Like the fact that they have 30 something year olds in this league makes no sense to me. Like it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, dude, go get a job. Like you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like go get a real job. You know, if, if you wanna if you wanna play that game, go get a real job. I hear it all the time. I thought we think it's funny, but it's like, you know, if you're if you're if you if you single out and you and you make it to where, hey, listen, you can grow and retire with us, but we're not gonna be your fallback when things don't work out at the next level. Like we I don't want it to be a fallback. But there's just so many opportunities out there for these young men to be, you know, to be successful and 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 have a have long careers and for this lead to really grow and be something. Because right now, I mean, what do we got? You got an NBA basketball where they can't even like guys don't even want to suit up and play in critical games. You've got baseball that's a complete and utter mess. You've got hockey playoffs, and once those are gone. You, it's baseball and it could be football and it could be good football if, if we let it. So Emory, I appreciate it. I know you got to go. You got some things to do. Um, 
Y'all catch everything in the Emory Hunt. You can find him at F-Ball Game Plan anywhere. Follow the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube. Um, obviously, check out and go and pick up that, that, that um, NFL Draft Guide, footballgameplan.com slash NFL Draft Guide. Did I get that right, Emory? Slash 2022 Draft Guide. 2022 Draft Guide. And, and everything else that we're doing over at Football Game Plan. Also, um, catch him during the draft on CBS Sports. Emory, I appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure, Gene. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, that's been another one. You can find me everywhere that you find anybody anywhere at Gene Clemens. Follow the um, pod um, and the article, CWN Sports. That's where you find it at. Make sure that you follow me. Um, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Coach Gene Clemens. Um, check out the work at, at Giants Country and The Athletic. And until next time, y'all stay blessed.